Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Join the Food Fight, Libraries and Food Insecurity, a Team Vittles podcast. Today's episode is titled, Let's Do It Bigger. Join us as Janet, Sarah, newest Team Vittles member Allie, and I interview Martha Hansen of the Woodstock Public Library in Woodstock, Illinois, as she tells us about the many, many innovative programs she has going on that started from scratch, and they decided, let's do it bigger. All right, welcome everyone to episode five of our podcast, Join the Food Fight. Today we're here with several team members, Janet from the State Library, Allie from Midpoint, Sarah from Denison, and our guest today, Martha Hansen from the Woodstock Public Library in Illinois. Is that in Woodstock, Illinois? Or? It's, in, it's in Woodstock, Illinois in McHenry County, which is up on the northern border. Okay. Yeah, we came across Martha in the CSLP Facebook group. She had made a post several months ago, and her library has all sorts of amazing going as far as uh, food insecurity in libraries go. I'm sure they have more wonderful things going, but that's our focus here today. So Martha, if you want to give us a little introduction to yourself and uh, some of the programs you've been doing. Certainly. My name is Martha Hansen. I'm the assistant director with the Woodstock Public Library. And what we have is uh, two food pantries, actually. We have an inside food pantry that's available during library hours. And then we have an outside one, um, which is available 24-7. And the Having a Food Pantry was an evolution for us. For years and years and years, we've had a, a food drive every February. And in the last couple of years, we had noticed that there were people asking for food out of the, you know, we have a grocery cart that we um, put out in front or simply sliding by and grabbing a can of soup as they were walking past. And it wasn't something that I had ever noticed in all the years prior, but in the last couple of years, it was definitely actively happening. And that was fine because they clearly needed the food. And then... 2019, we had the polar vortex, and the library was open as a warming station during the day, and the city bought pizza for everybody in the building. So we just were able to provide pizza for the patrons who were primarily those without any place else to go, and it was a wonderful feeling. Um, and we just started building on it, and after last year's um, food drive that I dutifully you know, drove our 400 pounds of food that we had raised to the food pantry, I started thinking about why don't we just have food available here all the time and um, started doing some research, found a few other libraries that were offering them, and we wrote up a proposal, and the, it was approved, and so we started our first little humble food pantry very discreetly around the corner from the, the front entrance so that people wouldn't be watched as they were getting their food. Um, and that was February 24th of 2020. And four weeks later, we were shut down. And we realized that very quickly, there was going to be hard economic times in our community. And we wanted to keep the food rolling. So we started a series of outside pantries that started humbly with a, just a Rubbermaid tub. And then eventually is now the uh, proper outdoor shed that it is now. So that it was a rapid change from like, wouldn't it be nice if we had some food out for folks to being, this is a, an essential part for folks. And there are people at the food pantry literally every few minutes. So it's needed. So you say you've actually built something like a shed as opposed to the standard little free pantry? Yes, it is a name brand Menards of vinyl shed. So it's a four feet by six feet by two feet deep. And it is, we put that out last May. Um, For the evolution, we started with Rubbermaid tubs and then we took our old paper covered because the Rubbermaid tubs were getting, they weren't good. So we took out a library table because the library was shut down because of COVID. And we put um, old metal cupboard that we had in the building and we used that for about a month, but it wasn't, it was being emptied out every, every night 
it was empty. So we needed more space. So in May, um, the library was just starting to reopen. And so we got the shed and we put it out um, near the, we have a stone bench out front. So we put it next to that and it worked great um, until we got a call or Facebook message saying that it had fallen over. The wind had just completely knocked it over. So now it is residing um, up against the front entrance, which isn't ideal, but it's that way it's protected and um, the wind won't blow it over. We actually are really excited. MBI Staffing, um, which is a national company, but it's based in Woodstock. They reached out to us last month and they are going to build us a proper outside permanent shed. And we are so excited about it. Um, it is going to be back where the original location was away from the front entrance so that people can be at the food pantry getting what they need and not blocking the entrance, not blocking the book return. And it's going to be on a, uh, on a concrete pad and it's going to be intended for this purpose as opposed to just kind of pinch hitting and putting shelving in a, your typical little vinyl gardening shed. So that is gonna be great. And we do still maintain the inside um, shed being a, it's more food. And it also allows us in the winter months to have the cans and that, which we have to put a very limited supply in the outside shed because if they freeze, then it has to be discarded the next day. So we do keep a few cans in overnight, even when it's going to be below 20 degrees, but in the morning, if they haven't been taken, then we discard them. Cause there are some people that can only come at night or only feel comfortable coming at night and we wanna make sure that they have food. Um, in addition to the food pantry, we also have a cold weather clothing, not exchange, but um, donated clothes, cold weather coats, mittens, hats that are available for people to come in and take what they need for their family to stay warm. And so that is right next to the inside pantry. It's a full on coat rack um, and a bins of different hats, gloves, mittens, the chemical hand warmers, when it's below zero, we put out a cry for those and we get, our community is so supportive. It's amazing. We, when we knew the temperatures were dropping below zero, we put out a call for the hand warmers and we got boxes of them. So it's wonderful. When we started the food pantry, I really was nervous about how the community would be receptive to it. And they have come up, how can I say? They have come forward in force. It is amazing. We continually get donations of food. Um, we have a clipboard out in the food pantry that people can write down what they need. That information is in Spanish and English. And then um, we post a photograph on social media and immediately we get people that are coming forward and providing what was needed. Case in point, we had a gentleman that we knew from interactions. He was newly homeless. He was camping in the woods on the outskirts of town and he needed a pot. So he wrote on there, I need a pot. And we had three or four donations within a day. So we were able to get him the cooking pot he needed to help out. He asked for the, what he called army meals. So that the ready to eat meals and someone, I don't know where they got them, but they provided them. So we were able to get those for him. So um, having the community so responsive and supportive of the food pantry has been, amazing and in hard times like this it really you need good things in your life and this in COVID times and this has really come forward and should I talk about the Thanksgiving meal giveaway yeah let me ask okay. a couple of questions okay. backing up here about mm -hmm. how big is your community what's your service area uh the city of Woodstock is um, a population of 25,000 for the library, we are unique in that we are a rural library and a city library. So the rural district is approximately additional 10,000 um, people that live in a donut around the city of Woodstock and we serve their needs and we are their library. They contract for service with the city library. So overall with about 35,000 in our service area population. And do you operate entirely on donations or does the library provide some level of funding for the pantry and the shed and other things? Uh, the library purchased the shed. Um, we were able to do that with, um, with the COVID funding from the state because it's a, a service that we're 
offering expressly because of the COVID to expand the pantry as we did. Um, everything else is 100% donation. It's really, really amazing. Yeah, it sounds like your community really has risen to the occasion. And well, as um, someone said, we all wanna help and this provides a vehicle to help. And so it, there are people in need and being able to fulfill that need is, is a boost that you need. With handling all, all this food, mm -hmm. uh, I'm assuming it's pretty much all shelf stable stuff or do you have to work with your local board of health in any respects? Um, we do all shelf stable with a little wiggle room for um, what we call hearty vegetables and fruit. So we have apples, onions, carrots, celery, your occasional squash, but that we can all put, put out because we know it's going to definitely be gone um, before it can go bad. It is bread. We take the bread and that's about as far as we go. We do have the challenge of occasionally people wanting to help and they want to help by putting um, frozen meat in the pantry on the 4th of July weekend. If you've ever seen a five pound bag of breakfast sausages after 4th of July weekend in Northern Illinois, it isn't pretty. <laughs> it's like, so thanks for your generosity, but please no meat. <laughs> this is Janet, Martha. I'm curious about staffing, particularly, you know, in this, is the pantry maintained exclusively by library staff or do you have volunteers? And do you have people come out during non-library hours to just check and make sure everything uh, is? Absolutely, absolutely. Be? Yeah, we, um, library staff keeps an eye on things, um, but we have volunteers um, that come in and sort through the donations. Right now I have 10 to 15 boxes to be um, sorted through the, the Boy Scouts had a food drive, which is amazing. And we were the benefactors of it. And so now we have the, um, a volunteer coming in this morning that is going to sort through checkbooks, expiration dates, the dinked cans. And then we have an overflow area that we store the food so that right now uh, there's an abundance out in the pantry so that we have an overflow area. Um, which we didn't actually exist. We built it during COVID for it to be our ESL tutoring room. And it has turned into our um, pantry storage area, which was very fortuitous. And we'll keep it that way once we're back into doing one-on-one -on -one tutoring because it also will help the population that might be needing the food. That way they can grab some food as, when they're done with their tutoring session. So that works out well. And then we have pantry guardians, if you will, like when it flipped over, the person was on top of it. She she tried to get a hold of us. We didn't respond at you know seven in the morning on Sunday right away. So she um, called the police. The police sent someone over. They got to put back in shape. And by the time I got there, all I had to do was put sort out what had gotten damaged and throw it out. So that was wonderful. There's people that are regulars who take food, but they're also they're also sure to come and drop something off whatever it is, so they want to give back as much as they're helping out. Um, they'll sort through and do what they can to help maintain it. We have um, mask, ma mask makers. Um, the mask makers um, drop off the cloth masks so that um, there's a steady supply of those, which is wonderful. We need more toilet paper fairies. I call, I call the mask makers mask, maker fa mask fairies because they just appear overnight. Toilet paper is the one item I cannot keep in stock. That is an ongoing challenge for our, our janitorial service very kindly donates cartons, cases of uh, toilet paper to help us out with that one. But yeah. I'm just kind of in awe of, of how the library and the community all have come together around this effort. And I, I, we may and may not keep talking about the public pantry a little bit, mm -hmm. but I do want to put in a little PSA for Martha and her library for listeners to the podcast. Um, if you'd like to see some pictures of what all of this looks like. First of all, the Woodstock Public Library has a Facebook page. It is facebook.com slash Woodstock Public Library. You got it before any other Woodstock Public <laughs> yes, Library anywhere else in the country might have gotten it. But also Martha kindly wrote an article for the Collaborative Summer Library Program's newsletter back in summer of 2020 about the public pantry. 
in um, in the description to this podcast, hopefully there is a link because this is going to be awkward, but I will tell you, if you're listening to this podcast, a path to look at that article, which has pictures of the indoor and the current shed outdoor pantry, as well as a picture of the clipboard um, with some messages on it. And so if you go to the CSLP website, which is cslpreads.org, that's cslpreads.org, click on summer reading resources, then on libraries and summer food, and then go to resource list and scroll down to library stories at the bottom and look for July 2020. And there you will be able to read more about, about the public pantry at the Woodstock Public Library and see some pictures courtesy of Martha. So thanks so much for that. I knew I would forget if I tried to say that later, so I just stuck it in right now. Yeah, are there any security concerns with having the a shed, a, out, the outdoor pantry? Um, my my main concern when, when I was looking um, for what was available, I didn't want it to be too large that someone could go in and, and be in there because I, I do know it's visited 24 seven. There's quite out there, um, you, we can tell that people are in the getting food overnight and you didn't want someone to be startled and um, have someone seeking shelter and being in there. That was our main concern. And the other one was rodents, mice, and that truly hasn't been an issue. So we've been very lucky. Um, we had a little bit of an issue, but that cleared up right away. And so, so far we have been very, very fortunate. I think um, knock on wood, people recognize it as a good thing and don't want to spoil that. Now with working off of donations, are people just donating like the food, the clothes, the supplies, or are people providing money and the library goes out and picks up at times? Primarily, the the donations we're getting right now um, are are almost entirely just actual items being donated. Uh, we do have a couple of people who are still in complete COVID lockdown, and so they send Instacart to us. The Instacart drivers know know the drill. They they come in and they snap a picture and they're on their way, which is wonderful. So I mean, people finding a way to help us um, even when they can't. When we were doing the Thanksgiving meal giveaway, um, then we did take in uh, cash donations because we, in addition to giving Thanksgiving meal bags uh, filled with what you would need for a Thanksgiving dinner, we were giving uh, $20 grocery gift cards. And so we got um, cash donations and to, to buy the things we needed for the bags. And then we also got a lot of grocery store gift cards for the three stores in town. And um, we still have a some of those coming in and then we judiciously will slip someone one when we know that they're having hard times, we will um, hand them a gift card and that's at staff discretion. All right, well that allows us to segue back into the Thanksgiving program you had mentioned. Uh, could you tell us a little more about that? That was, that was something, it was, it started in October, the COVID numbers in Illinois were really starting to ramp up. We knew everybody, I mean, it was just going to be a really difficult fall. It was going to be a very, very difficult Thanksgiving. Um, those who would usually travel to a family or a loved one's house for a Thanksgiving meal um, wouldn't be able to do so or shouldn't be able to do so. Um, times are tough. People weren't, the unemployment numbers were rising. And so having Thanksgiving was going to be bleak for a lot of folks. And in Woodstock, in our community, the things, the Christmas, there's what we call the Rotary Run uh, Christmas Clearinghouse, where the, there's a whole Christmas list of about, you know, a thousand families, and they get their Christmas meal, they get Christmas gifts for the children, that's taken care of. But there really isn't an equivalent for that for Thanksgiving and hadn't been needed in previous years. Um, I asked around at the, what we call the real food pantry, and they said sometimes someone donates coupons to get things from Walmart, but it wasn't a concerted effort, and it was kind of pitched if those people happened to come in during the weeks before that when they had still had coupons, they could um, get one of the Walmart dinner coupon meals. So we started 
playing around with the idea of making a Thanksgiving meal bag and providing everything people would need for Thanksgiving in a canvas grocery sack so that they could pick it up and have it. And I did some searching on the internet. I found different places that had done similar things and started using their lists of what would should go in the, the, the meal kit and worked out the numbers. If we wanted to do provide 50 such of those meal bags, how much, how many cans of green beans we need, how many cans of corn. And my concern when I started doing this in mid-October is we had been so fortunate with the donations to support the food pantry, but there were some times where we were getting down to our last can of chicken soup. And then, you know, through blessings, more another box of donations arrived, but I didn't want to have people focusing their attention towards donating for the Thanksgiving meal bags and then having the day-to-day -day needs, which were real and acute, um, being neglected. So I was hemming and hawing on that when I got a call from the Real Food Pantry that said that they offered to help us out and see what we needed and to provide food. And I'm like, well, you know, I have this list of what we're gonna need for a Thanksgiving meal bag can you help out? And so they agreed to give us, I believe it was seven cases of food that would help tremendously to meet that goal of having um, 50 meal bags. So I'm like, okay, we'll go public with this. And the response was immediate and amazing. I think by the end of the day, that first day that we made the post, we were already getting sacks of groceries coming in for the Thanksgiving list. And we had you know, the green beans, the corn, yams, canned pumpkin, the little bag of uh, marshmallows, because you have to have your marshmallows. I wanted something fun. So we had put uh, cans of black olives or whatever, you know, crackers, whatever people thought would make um, their Thanksgiving special. I wanted a bonus item of that. And so we started meeting getting um, donations and it was um, wonderful. And then we put out a clipboard just out by our pantry for people to write down just their first name and how big their family was if they would be interested in getting a bag. And we we're rapidly in the first few days of that being there, we're approaching 30 names. And I'm like, okay, you know, we still have four weeks to go until Thanksgiving. How many people are we gonna get? And uh, about a week later, um, we were approached by the Rotary, the Woodstock Rotary, and they had heard about the program and basically, Jackie with the Rotary called up and said, how can we help? And I'm like, okay, this is good. <laughs> this is wonderful. Because um, the Rotary has links to all the different businesses in town. And Jackie herself was an American Red Cross volunteer who implements food lines and emergency disasters across the country. And because in the back of my mind, it's like, I'm a librarian. I don't, <laughs> doing widespread food distribution, handling things in COVID times, making sure the volunteers stay safe, making sure we stay safe was a challenge while still being open and serving our public. So having Jackie and the Rotary coming forward uh, really tipped the tides and we all, we were thinking, okay, let's go bigger. So then we jumped to 75, which rapidly became hundred meal bags was our goal. And the donations were coming in. We had volunteers coming in three times a week to count all the donations. And unfortunately, our meeting room and our a smaller meeting room were all chock full of tables and chairs that we have in the library that were pulled off the library floor. floor. So we didn't have those available to us, but we did have our boardroom, which the library board was meeting virtually. So we, they didn't need their room. So we filled that full of cans of everything imaginable. The floor, the table were covered, a 125-year-old antique table that were, I was like, what is the weight limit on this table? <laughs> we'll slide some more onto the floor. And it was so amazing. I mean, the number of shares we got because people were just so thrilled to be able to help with this project. Um, at the same time, we reached out to the social workers in the 12 schools in our community and let them know that this was going to be happening so that they could notify their families um, to tell them not only about the, the Thanksgiving meals, but we also 
we're putting out our winter clothes, coats and clothing. So we let them know about that. And the project just grew and grew. And it was, I mean, we, I think went public October 27th and um, Thanksgiving was November 24th. And so finally our goal was gonna be hundred bags and we had volunteers coming in. We couldn't do a massive, you know, bag build because of COVID. So we had small groups of volunteers coming in the week before. We put um, tables out in our large open area and the bags were all built. We initially planned for a smaller bag for families of two to four size and then a large bag for families four and larger. And so we had those, we had some gluten-free bags for those families that might need that. And at the same time, the Rotary was reaching out to all the businesses and they secured from two of the restaurants the willingness and to donate turkey. So one restaurant donated a whole fresh turkey and carrots, celery, onions, and dozen eggs so that we gave them a coupon and then the, they would go to that restaurant. The other restaurant in town um, donated a, a three pound turkey roast, a cooked roast and the carrots, celery, onions, and um, dozen eggs, so that there could be some fresh ingredients too. So the Rotary secured that. We had a, 110 of those coupons that we were gonna be able to put in the bag. Another, actually one of, our former, one of our former staff members reached out to me privately and said she wanted to be able, people to be able to buy what fresh ingredients, butter or whatever they wanted. And so she put out a Facebook campaign and started asking for $20 grocery card donations. I matched that. And so we, between the two of us, we got over 45 grocery card donations um, privately. Um, we didn't advertise that we we're going to be doing that just because we weren't assured that we'd get enough to get enough to cover all 100. But the donations started coming in and it was, it was wonderful. I spent... <laughs> More trips going to Aldi in that three-week period than I ever. They actually put limits on, so we were buying so much food at Aldi. You could also you could only buy two cans of evaporated milk, and we're like, no. So we had to. We, that's where I went to the food pantry, and they came through with cases of evaporated milk for us. And what was really wonderful is I had mentioned, you know, the including the black olives or the it's something special that people could have. A lot, a lot of the bags that came in where people were buying, buying one of everything on the list, they also included what they thought was special. And you could tell the cooks who were donating because they all donated cans of chicken broth. And then someone's like, well, you can't make stuffing without chicken broth. So <laughs> threw those in. But yeah, it was it was wonderful. And at the same time, our children's department had volunteers making a craft that would go into each of the bags. A local nutritionist volunteered to make a packet of recipes that could um, be included to, because you have all, it's a, primarily it's going to be canned ingredients. So what do you do with it all? And so she came with recipes and there were tips that I didn't even realize. Like when you have can, a can of green beans, you rinse it off. And it gets it reduces the sodium significantly for the canned beans. So it's little healthy tips like that on how you could personalize um, the stuffing with you know you're getting your carrots and celery. So how to personalize a dry stuffing mix and make it something special for your family and what to do with the leftovers and things like that. So we had that packet of recipes coming in. It was uh, Jackie with the Rotary who told me she says you have to dream bigger. And I'm like, well, I'd like to give everybody a salt and pepper shaker because not everybody has salt and pepper. And she's like, okay, done. I'm like, that's the advantage of working with a, a for-profit when you're a nonprofit and you're thinking humbly. Um, she said, you have to dream bigger. So we got <laughs> salt and pepper for each of the bags. We had packets of five disposable uh, masks that were sealed up in plastic that we could put in each of the, the bags. They had um, businesses donated. Thanksgiving paper napkins and Thanksgiving tablecloths so that the families would have something special to include with it to make it an extra special holiday. Um, and then the city council came forward and every member 
uh, the city council donated the those grocery cards. And so we got enough grocery cards to get enough for every meal bag that was going out. And so that sets the stage we had, and the word was definitely getting out with the need. We were getting calls for people coming in. And if I were to do anything over again, I wouldn't have had the distribution day wouldn't be when we're open. It would have been better to do it the next day on Sunday when we were closed. Because um, when we got to the library two hours before distribution day, there were you know, already a dozen cars in the parking lot. But we, our volunteer team came in. They were awesome. We had the carts loaded for rolling out into the parking lot. And we first handed out food to the people that were already in. And then we started just a drive-up line where people popped their trunk. We put a bag in and um, gave them their coupon so they could drive straight to the restaurant and pick up their turkey and fresh vegetables. Um, we had all the donated coats and boots and hats and gloves out. We have a, a curved bench, which is about 20 feet long. So all those were out with the coat wrap. We had a beautiful day. So people could park after they got their food and come and get the clothing that they needed also. And it was a good day. It was, a, it was an amazing day. We gave out the first 40 bags in the first hour. It was incredible. And we ran out of bags. We had, I think, 117. When all was said and done, we had had 117 bags ready to go. We had people handing us cash and at right there on the spot. And so we knew we weren't going to have enough bags to last the day. I'd hope we, you know, we'd have enough of that. And after the first hour is clear. So we sent two of the volunteers to the grocery store with the cash and they bought up everything they could. And then amazingly, they donated the funds. So they came back with all the groceries plus all the money. And so we had, we had an emergency build and we built, I would say another 30 bags with what supplies we were able to have. Um, but by two o'clock, those were gone. So that would put it at about 140 bags distributed at that point, 140, 145. And there are still people calling, there's still people needing it. So we thought, okay, let's give it another go. And we put out an emergency plea saying we're out of bags. It's three o'clock, donate what you can come Monday morning. We'll have a volunteer here and we'll do another build and we'll get some more volunteers lined up to build bags. And then that's when that evening, our director got a call from the city recreation department and said, we're open on Sunday. Have people bring the food there? So all the donations came in because a lot of people are saying, well, I work on Monday. I can't get it to you. Can I leave it out front? I'm like, I didn't want all the food just sitting out <laughs> over the weekend. So the recreation department took in a truckload of food on Sunday. And then they brought it all to the library on Monday morning. We had a volunteer first here first thing when we opened. She sorted through all the food. And then um, we had two volunteers come in and build bags. And we were ready to go again at two o'clock with another 50 bags. Um, one of the restaurants came forward and donated a whole nother set of, of coupons for more turkey. And we were ready to roll again. And all in all, we gave out 190, approximately 190 meal bags over that three-day period. It was phenomenal. It was, it was, a, it was a good day. <laughs> it was really looking back. I mean, I was so naive when I thought, "Oh, how nice! We're gonna we're gonna give out 30 bags, and it's gonna make some people happy for Thanksgiving." And it turned into so much more, and it was grand. And it sounds like your community rises to the occasion, your volunteers do. How has your Absolutely. staff uh, reacted to all of these programs that you have going on now? We have an amazing staff. We really do. They are 100 <laughs> Sometimes I come up with ideas and I'm like, mm, sure, Martha. But um, they were 100% on board with this. We're very fortunate um, during the COVID times we did we were closed from March 14th. We went to curbside. March 21st, the state shut down. And so our staff was at home. And on May 1st, they were furloughed coming into the new fiscal year. 
mitigations were lessened and so they were we were able to bring back our full staff but they they realized especially at that time when there uh, some of the part-timers were furloughed it it's just a sheer blessing to be able to be employed, not have things be worse. And so being able to help out others makes all the difference. It really, really does. I will say there was one, a woman um, came in. Some of the donations we got that day were just people walking by and saying, oh, I didn't realize that was a day, you know, and here's a 20. He had a woman walk in. She's like, can I take a bag? I'm like, we, we did no judgment. You know, if you felt like you needed a bag, you got a bag. Um, she's like, she gave us, I want to say it was $75. You could, uh, 10 times the value of the bag. She's like, I hate shopping here. <laughs> so we used that and we went to the store and bought more donations. But I, I love that. She's like, yep, yeah, okay, I'm done for Thanksgiving. <laughs> there was a lot of humor. There was a lot of laughing. And it was because we were helping others and the staff when I had first approached the staff, I sent them a message saying, this is my idea, what's the take? And I said, well, they said, well, you know, 40 meals isn't a lot, what are you gonna do when you run out? I'm like, well, that's it, you know, we'll do what we can and that's it, you know, we, and then on the day of the thing, it's like, oh, wait, no, we have to go to the store, we need more food. <laughs> she said, what happened to that tough attitude where you're gonna say 40 bags and that's it? Because <laughs> you saw the need and you wanted to fulfill it. Do, does anyone have any other questions? This is a really simple one, Martha. This is Sarah. I'm just curious what you're thinking of next. You know, everything you talked about, it seems like every program is kind of built on the one that came before. And I'm really curious uh, where you're going to go now. I'm so glad you asked. We are cooperating with MBI staffing. I mentioned they're, they're building the shed. They're also going to enhance our inside pantry. Right now we have our, our meeting room coat rack is what we're using for the coat rack and it's not ideal. And we have um, a one of our little end tables from in the library is out there and it holds the overflow of donations of cereal boxes and the you know, plastic tub on the floor full of hats and mittens and it all kind of looks not ideal. And so they are rebuilding, they're building us a coat rack with storage underneath. They're building us a proper table that will have bins that will pull out that we can put those um, hearty vegetables in. And then on the top, it is going to have a closed box, like we would for a suggestion box, but we are developing a form that will be in Spanish and English. And basically it says, ask, tell, us what we, tell us what you need and we'll see what we can do. So it has some suggestions, you know, grocery card, gas card, phone minute card, infant car seat, different different things of people what might need, they can mark it off and it goes into the box. MBI is going to have, they're forming, not a nonprofit, but a, a charity branch of their organization called MBI Cares. And their staff are going to go through those requests, fill them, and then the library will be the avenue for providing, getting them, the people in contact with the, the materials. So um, we are really excited about that. We're going to be, once the um, construction part is done, that is going, going to be rolled out probably this month. Along with that come spring, um, we're hoping that they're, they're going to be building the shed for us. So that's going to be, the outside shed is going to be nice and permanent and not falling over. And they also got us a piano which is really nice. <laughs> and this, this comes to where they talk, you talk about dreaming bigger. We met with Tom Wilson, the president of MBI, and uh, Katie Hometh, who's our, the rep for us. And he's actually a former reference librarian. And he talked about, you know, they, they had this idea for MBI Cares. They were going to start their own pantry, but then they realized we had one just down the street from them. So they thought they'd enhance what we have here. And we were meeting on a Friday morning, which is when um, Ray, our piano player, comes in. And we have a beautiful um, antique piano from the Woodstock Opera House. They were looking for a new home. And so in 2015, they said, do you want a piano? And we said, sure. And we very clearly said we didn't want it to be just for like meeting room use. We wanted it out so it could be played, a public play piano. So it's in our fiction section. 
and people can just sit down and play it. And Ray comes in, he's older gentleman. He comes in every Friday morning and plays. And so as we were meeting with MBI, um, the music was going on and I mentioned that, talk about dreaming bigger. I'm like, well, we need a new piano because that piano was beautiful, it's gorgeous. It has a cracked soundboard frame. So the, the crack is three quarters of the way through the cast iron frame. And once it goes, it's gone and it's not repairable. And so we've been kind of on the back channels looking for a piano, but we wanted a baby grand and those are hard to come by. And, or we, so we thought. And so as a throwaway, I said, you know, wouldn't it be great if you got us a piano? And Katie called us up two weeks ago and said, I got you a piano. <laughs> so we now have two pianos temporarily, and it is a beautiful, lovely Baldwin uh, Model M grand, baby grand, and it is beautiful. Ray is thrilled, and we have it in a little more prominent location because the other one is tucked in our more discreet location, and people just sit down and play it, and it is wonderful. With COVID restrictions last year, we're like, well, no, you, you know, we pulled all the toys, we pulled all the fun things, we closed, we locked the piano. And uh, I don't know, sometime last fall, it's like, you know what? We need piano, we need music. And so we had Ray start coming back and we, we opened the piano and it is one of the, it's one of the good spots, good highlights of coming into our libraries. You can just sit down and play piano or listen and have a little concert. And so um, that's something else that MBI had done for us. They got us the piano. That sounds like that partnership really works out on a lot of levels. <laughs> it does. Have these programs uh, generated any other ongoing partnerships in the community? Not so much. I think what it really does is highlight the library is playing a role in serving the community and we're willing and want to meet the needs as best we can. And so we're, we're here to help. We used to have a homeless population or people you would perceive to be homeless. We had the, every winter, you know, we knew the same people coming in. We had a relationship with them. They're great to see. And I don't honestly do not know where they are right now. The shelters are working on a different protocol and there, you know, you call social services agencies, they're not answering. And so it's, it's really tough to help people out. And so being able to provide food for them, but then there's also the concern is I'm not sure where they went and I hope they're being taken care of. Um, but since we're not sure, we're providing this other avenue. Um, another, another thing we just added, um, which we should have done years ago, is a public phone. It's, you know, one of our regular, the pay phones, disappeared, you know, the, those all got pulled when the, they became uneconomical for us to have a public phone or a, a pay phone outside. And, but now we have just a regular phone that people can just sit down, there's a table, there is a directory of um, social services agencies, emergency numbers, crisis numbers, and a pad of paper that they can sit down and make the calls that they need, or if they need to call for a ride home or call for a pizza. That's fine. We have, we have a phone there for them to do that. Martha, this is Allie. Um, I do have one question. For your donations for all of the projects that you do, when you need those donations, do you just use your social media accounts or do you hit it out to like all the avenues? Like what, what's that we, game plan? We uh, use our social media almost primarily. It's Twitter, which the Woodstock Twitter community isn't huge. I'm doing more for informational for other libraries and know what we're doing. And um, cause that's the followers that follow our Twitter. And, um, but it's Facebook the, is the primary avenue and then um, our website, but the Facebook page gets a lot more hits than the, um, the website. I, and we do have an e-newsletter that goes out to, you know, we serve a population of 25,000. We have just under 3,000 subscribing to our e-newsletter. So we're not reaching a lot of people and just knowing the list, I know some of those are just people are trying to keep track of what we're doing that they might've moved away. With all things during this COVID experience is we need to find better communication methods 
there can't be just one channel, but it has, we still have people calling up saying, what are you guys gonna be open? And we've been open since July. That we need to do better. And I, I don't know what the answer is to that, but um, having social media is wonderful, but a lot of people aren't, aren't on it. And so we can't rely it for donations and that type of thing. The response is immediate and amazing. Um, so it works for us for that avenue, but for our, as far as delivering the message of the library, other ways we're serving better, better methods for that, a, a goal moving forward. We're in the center of McHenry County. We have a weekly newspaper, and then there is a more suburban newspaper that doesn't quite meet our, they don't carry a lot of our stories. So trying to find, and a lot of people, of course, aren't subscribing to the newspapers anymore. So finding that vehicle to best spread the word is a goal. When we shut down, we had a, um, we put signs out on the curbside because we knew this, we were just down the street from a the public school. So we're half, we're on a busy street-ish between the square, the Woodstock Square and the school. And so we put the public pantry sign available, food, comida, with the arrow pointing to our parking lot, we put that Wi-Fi um, sign out on the curb so that even if people aren't driving in, that they can see that we have something to be offered. Um, so sometimes just going to the basics, um, the city has an electronic sign that flashes on the Route 47. So we put some of the signs up on that so that to help reach out and for those people driving down 47 that they can see that the library was open, that um, we had food available, that we had public Wi-Fi so that you could um, be in your parking lot, finding that need and finding the way to communicate that we're available. Ongoing challenge for all libraries. I'm glad, this is Janet, I'm glad Martha that you finished off by saying ongoing challenge for all libraries because I have heard that over and over again from other libraries that what exactly the anecdote you just shared about people calling and asking when you're going to be open. I can't tell you how many librarians have told me we've been open since July. We've been open since September. We've been open and people are calling and saying, when are you going to be open? It's, it's, it is, it is a struggle for everybody. You mentioned earlier, and this is, it's, it's heart wrenching that you simply don't know where your people who may be experiencing homelessness are. I've heard from other librarians it's that we have no idea where our teens are. We have we have no idea. We haven't been able to to find these patrons. It's 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 going to just be a really long process, and we're all trying together to figure out how do you how do you communicate with the people who need your services the most, particularly in these times. So, you you sound like you're doing a lot, and you know we will all just keep doing a lot with that. There's so much more communication with the school district now. We have um, the parents, so many parents don't have printers in their home. The teachers want to encourage handwriting because that's being lost. And so they tell the parents that they come to the library, get print out from their school accounts and just retrieve it from their Chromebook directly to the printer. So it's building a lot of cooperation and we want to see more of that. Um, another part of cooperation is with the school district before the school started reopening, we told them just have their students, they were delivering books by school bus to the kids so that you know their school library books could be dropped off by a school bus, which is awesome just to have an envelope on your front step and there are your library books for your school library books. Um, but we told them to have them return here at the, our library. So they can put them in our book return. We sort them out. The school district comes once a week, once every two weeks picks up all their school library books so we can build on that cooperation and encourage them. Um, we're gonna be linking our overdrive account with the school SORA account so that our all of our juvenile YA books, which are the least checked out ones currently in our overdrive account, will be able to have new eyes and new visibility. And especially with the Spanish language materials, being able to get the kids, we have a really strong dual language program um, where, I want to say nearly 50% of the student population is in a dual language class. So there's half and half Spanish English taught. Um, so we get getting those Spanish collections out there and being read to help out too. But yeah, it's it, it, there are so many different new ways to serve 
the community mm -hmm. or seeing this as an opportunity and seeing where we can go from here. So that's, we're just exploring and, and sometimes just no right or wrong answers. We're just, we're using this as an opportunity to better help our community and seeing what they need. Well, thank you for giving us an hour here. It's really been packed full of great information. And you also gave us a title for this. We're going to title this episode, Let's Go Bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think that's, I think that's important for libraries to know that they can do this. It, it's been done. They don't have to break new ground now, thanks to you. Yeah, yeah so. it is. For all the worries I had when we started the food pantry, none of them have come to fruition. It, it has been nothing but a win. All right. Well, thank you. And thank you. we'll get to work on this. I always say I'll have this done in a couple of days, but it usually ends up about two weeks. So, but we, I, I hear you. <laughs> we will get this out as soon as we can. And like I said, thank you. I think this is going to be eye opening for a lot of libraries that just assume it's too big of a project to take on. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Delighted to, be, to have a chance to talk about my, my favorite project. Thank you, Martha. It's great to meet you also. And Very same. we just really appreciate this tremendous inspirational sto stories. Stories. And you're a great storyteller too. <laughs> and, and it was a pleasure. Excellent. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. To find out more about Team Biddles and how you can join the food fight, Check us out on the web at teamvittles.org. Check out our podcast at teamvittles.podbean.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Theme music for our podcast is Peanut Butter and Jam by Illogical Bit, who can be found on soundcloud.com slash illogicalbit. Music promoted by www.free-stock-music.com. Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 Unported.